Amen. We're in the book of Matthew, verse by verse. We're in the 13th chapter. This is an amazing chapter. It has within it seven, some say eight parables. Last Sunday morning, we talked about why Jesus used parables. We talked about the parable of the sower and the ground. In this chapter 13, you have the parable of the sower, the tares and the wheat, the mustard seed, the hidden leaven and the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price, the dragnet and the scribe's treasures. I'm going to jump ahead to two parables that I believe are extremely important during the time we're living. As we look at Israel and everything taking place in Israel, I want us to understand two parables that are important. And we're going to read from verse 44 to verse 46. We'll go back to the other parables next Sunday. We'll talk about the tares and the wheat and the mustard seed and the hidden leaven and perhaps the dragnet. But today we're going to talk about the hidden treasure in the field and the pearl of great price. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word, verse 44, three verses down to verse 46. And again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto treasure hid in a field, and the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field." Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. I want to use for a subject this morning, Israel and the church. You may be seated. These two parables are not the same. A lot of Theologians and Bible commentators will say that the treasure in the field and the pearl of great price is talking about the church. But I want you to understand something. Two parables, these two parables, the treasure in the field and the treasure uh, of the pearl of great price, is not, they're not just alike. And there's a reason Jesus gives us those two parables for one, it's concerning Israel, and the other one is concerning you and I, the church of Jesus Christ. Now, have you ever heard someone preach that the pearl of great price is actually Jesus, and when you get into conviction, you sell everything you have, and you go out and purchase salvation? Well, first of all, salvation cannot be purchased. And secondly, sinners are not seeking Christ. Christ came seeking sinners. And there's no way that you can buy a doorknob in heaven, let alone salvation. So the pearl of great price is not Jesus, but it's rather what Jesus buys. Others teach that the treasure in the field is you too coming across a treasure in the field. And you selling what you have, you hide that treasure because you're afraid someone else is going to get it. And you go back and sell everything you have and you purchase it for a great price. And the interpretation is that you come and you find Jesus. You sell all you have. You hide it away. Has it ever occurred to you you're not to hide the gospel? Has it ever occurred to you that that just don't fit the scriptures? And so we want to, these two parables, we want them to harmonize with the Bible. And so if you've heard the other interpretation, by the way, there's millions of people that interpret it the other way. But I'm going to interpret the way the parables are interpreted through Jesus concerning the sower and concerning the tares and the wheat. I'm going to use the Bible. How many know the Bible is the best commentary for the Bible? Amen. A lot of folks have difficulty with the King James Version, and you come across a big word. Well, if you'll just read a little before, a little behind, that word will be interpreted for you. 
King James Bible has a built-in dictionary. You come across a word, go, whoa! You just keep reading and it, it will define it. It repeats itself and it, it repeats the definition of whatever you're struggling with. So well, I have trouble with the these and thous. Let me help you with that. Thee is you and thou is you again. Amen. Well, I, I need to get something easier to read. King James Version is fifth grade reading level. Ninth grade reading level in the book of Revelation. So don't tell me that. You just got to know the author to understand the book. Amen. Amen. To me, people are trying to understand the book without giving their hearts to Christ. It takes a spiritual unction to give us the interpretation of the scriptures. So I want to talk to you about, first of all, the hidden treasure. The hidden treasure is actually Israel. Now, if you remember, Jesus Christ is speaking to the scribes and Pharisees, the disciples, and he says, uh, he uses the one parable, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl, a goodly pearl, a great pearl, and, and the merchant goes out and he he buys that one pearl a great price. And immediately the Jewish people thought in themselves, pearls? Pearls meant nothing to the Israel people. Pearls meant nothing. If you wanted to talk about something, you'd talk about gems. They're mined out of the ground, they're cut, and they're polished. But Jesus Christ said, no, let me tell you about a pearl of great price. And that I'm sure offended the people of Israel somewhat because they were not interested in pearls. They were not valuable to them. But there is a group of people that pearls are valuable to, the Gentiles. The other nations of the world sought pearls. Pearls are amazing. They are incredible, and we'll come back to that a little bit later. But I want to talk to you first of of all about the, the treasure that's hid in the field. In one verse, verse 44, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hid in the field in which a man hath found and hath, he hides it and, he, and with joy he goeth and selleth all that he has and buys that field. Now, if we're going to interpret this right, the field is not the church and the field is not Israel. The field is the world. Verse 38, Jesus Christ said, the field is the world. Now, now who are you going to believe? Some preacher that says the field is the church or the field is Israel? Or are you going to believe what Jesus said in verse 38, the field is the world? And so Jesus comes to the world. And God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus comes first to who? The Jew. And by the way, if God can save a Jew, God can save a you. Amen. Jesus came first to the Jews, Israel, seeking treasure. Well, The truth is he found that treasure, but he determined to hide that treasure until he bought a pearl of great price. He decided to hide that treasure in a field in the world until he would return. And first he would pay for it at the beginning. He would go, he would hide the treasure in a field, he, he findeth it, he hides it in the field, he goes and takes his all and he, and he buys that treasure in the field. Verse 44, and he, when he has found it, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Well, Jesus sold all that he had on the cross of Calvary. He paid the price for every sacrifice in the Old Testament. He paid the price... For the blood atonement, he paid the price for the offering of thanksgiving. He paid the price for the law, keeping the law. He paid the price. And when he paid the price, 
During this time, he hid the treasure. And one day he'll return to get the treasure. Israel rejected him. Israel said no. Israel said, we'll not have this man reign over us. Israel rejected the Messiah. And when they did, Jesus just hid Israel in the world. Wow. I mean, this is good stuff. Jesus just hid Israel in the world. In plain sight, in the field, Israel is hidden in the world. And one day Jesus Christ will come. Let me say quickly, Israel right now is a hidden treasure. For over 1,900 years, Israel was not a nation. For over 1,900 years, the Jewish people were scattered around the world. Yet in 1948, Israel became a nation. Over 1,900 years, Israel has been hidden as a treasure in the world. And for the most part, it still is hidden. But it's slowly being uncovered. Woo! That treasure is slowly being uncovered. Let me share some verses with you that shed some light on this. Romans chapter 11, verse 8 says, According as it is written, God has given them the spirit of slumber. Who did, who did he give a spirit of slumber? The Jewish people, Israel. Their eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear. In Romans chapter 11, verse 25, it says, For I would not have you ignorant that ye should be, I would not, brethren, that you be, be ignorant of this mystery. What mystery is he talking about? The mystery that Israel let ye, that you should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness, the mystery is that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the church, the Gentiles, become. And so when Israel said no to Jesus, Jesus just covered them up, scattered around the world, Israel, the Jews, and he hid his treasure in the world. Right now, Israel's hidden, slowly being uncovered. You say, well, I believe this is the church. The church has never been told to hide. And the church is not hidden. And sinners certainly aren't hidden. They blow their soot everywhere. Sinners are out in the open, dis disgusting as I were one. I was, and so were you. Yeah. So I never was disgusting, then you've never been saved. Because God only saves disgusting people. Hello. And so when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he produced a pearl of great price. But in the process, Israel rejected him, and he hid them in the world, Israel. 19, over 1,900 years, Israel has been hidden. Today, Israel is still hidden. And a lot of folks are just having a hissy because Israel's starting to be uncovered. Replacement theology says, no, the pearl of great price and the treasure in the field is the church, the same thing. No, they're not. The treasure in the field is Israel. The pearl of great price is the church. Amen. By the way, God gave Israel a great promised land. And right now, Israel is hid in her promised land. And one day she'll be uncovered and Jesus will return with his pearl of great price. And Israel will see Jesus for what he really is. Amen. Israel right now is hidden as a treasure. Someone would say, well, why don't you think the church is a treasure? Well, we need to understand something. 
Exodus 19, verse 5, Psalms 135, verse 4, and all through the Old Testament, Israel is called God's treasure. Even before Jesus came the first time to Israel, Israel was hidden among the nations. They were kind of in their own little group. They were in their own camp. You know, they weren't reaching out to the world. Their message was to their Jewish people. They were kind of, that nation was kind of hidden. And Jesus Christ came along and said, I'm your Messiah. God loves you. He cares for you. And they said, nope, won't have you. Jesus said, okay. And he hid them again in the field. Friends, you ought to be shouting right now because that treasure is just about to be opened. That treasure box is just about to be opened. You say, well, doesn't it say that the church is a treasure? It does not. Jesus is a treasure to us, but it doesn't say the church is a treasure. It says the church is a people, a royal spiritual priesthood, a chosen generation, a holy nation that we should go forth and bring forth the praises of God. Israel has been made out of the earth. The church is made out of Christ. Israel is earthly right now, but the church is heavenly. Israel returns to an earthly domain, a kingdom in which the son of David reigns. The church will enter into a spiritual paradise, a holy nation, a, the, the great Mount Zion, the new Jerusalem. And the old Jerusalem will be glorified as David sits on the throne. David sits on the throne of Jerusalem. Jesus sits on the throne of the world during the millennium. And one day the world will see that Israel has been on God's plan all along. Amen? It does say that Israel is, is a chosen treasure. And it does say in... Um, the verses of Scripture about the treasure, Exodus 19.5, if you keep the law of God and you uh, enjoy the law of God in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, and Psalms 34, 35, verse 4, it does indicate if you keep the law, you serve God, you honor God, then he calls you his peculiar treasure. But I mean, when Jesus came, Israel was not peculiar. She was just a treasure. One day she'll be a peculiar treasure. And Jesus will sit on the throne supreme. Amen. Now, the, the only problem I got with the interpretation, well, I've got not only problem, many problems I got with the interpretation that the treasure is a church, because first of all, the church isn't hidden. And Jesus, the, we didn't go seeking the treasure. Jesus Christ comes seeking us. The pearl of great price is not Jesus. You don't search for Jesus, find him, and then sell out to God and be saved because you don't sell out to God and be saved. God, Jesus Christ, sold out to you so that you can be saved. Now, we repent of our sins, yes. And God convicts us, draws us, and saves us. But I want you to understand the pearl of great price is, ama is an amazing lesson for us to learn. The amazing lesson of the pearl of great price, and, and I'll not go any further on the treasure in the field because the field is the world, but I do want to go somewhat into this pearl of great price. As I said earlier, gems, cut gems, mined gems, cut and polish. The Jewish people loved pearls, not so much. But the Gentile world 
love the pearl. And someone comes seeking a goodly pearl, a pearl of great price, and his name is Jesus Christ. In the process, Jesus Christ comes not only to hide the treasure, keep the treasure to a future unveiling, but to produce a pearl that would tell the world about how awesome and incredible Jesus Christ is because we were born again out of his wounds, not ours. I'd much rather talk about the wounds of Jesus than my wounds any day. See, a lot of times Christians get caught up in whining about their own wounds. They cry forever about their own wounds. There's preachers that build entire ministries on trying to minister to people over their own wounds. But I want you to know that only the wounds of Jesus Christ can heal the other wounds. Amen? You can do more preaching Jesus Christ, his love, his power, his glory, than you could ever do sympathizing with those that are discouraged and hurting. Now, is it bad? Yes, it's bad. Is it sad? Yes, it's sad. But it's nothing that the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ can't fix. Amen? Well, you know, I come to church to get, what, to get my need. Well, your need is Jesus. Well, I know, I hear that all the time. Jesus this and Jesus that. Well, why don't you listen again? It isn't just Jesus this and Jesus that. It's only Jesus, what he did on the cross of Calvary, save our wicked souls and give us eternal life. Amen. The pearl of great price. Let's look at it again real quickly. Again, the kingdom of heaven, verse 45, is like a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. And when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Jesus Christ bought us by his own blood. Jesus Christ found us seeking to save that which is lost. He came to redeem us. And give us eternal life. We are, the church is the pearl, that one pearl of great price. The Gentile redeemed children of God. Jew included if a Jew repents and gets born again. Amen. So we're all spiritual Jews, bless God. I know, and we're Gentiles too. But in Christ, there's neither male nor female, bond or free, Jew or Greek. In Christ, we're all just one big family as a born-again church. But Israel lays over there hidden in the dirt. And one day, Israel will be totally revealed as God's treasure. Amen. Now, how do pearls come? How do we get pearls? Pearls come from a living creature. There are pearls that come from freshwater oysters and saltwater oysters. The pearl is formed and made and created by the oyster. The oyster is in a shell. And when a piece of dirt gets in the shell, or a piece of sand gets in the shell, it bothers the oyster. And instead of kicking out the sand and kicking out the dirt, the oyster absorbs that dirt, absorbs that grain of sand, and covers it with a solution of nacre. A secretion of nacre will go over that piece of dirt or that grain of sand. And every time that sand or piece of dirt irritates that oyster, he will release, secrete another solution of nacre. That 
nacre, that juice, that mineral substance, covers the part that irritates the oyster. Years go by, and then finally, each time there's a problem, there's another secretion of that nacre to cover that. And a pearl may have hundreds of thousands of coverings, perhaps even two and three and four hundred and five hundred thousand coverings over that piece of dirt. And that's what Jesus did for us. Instead of kicking us out, he just absorbed us in. Instead of rejecting us, he went to the cross of Calvary, took our dirt, took our sand, took the irritation, took it in his own body, took it on the tree of the cross of Calvary, took the, the pain, took the, uh, the shame, and released a, a, a secretion of love, re released a secretion of grace and mercy, and continued to release that secretion until, wow, the church is a pearl of great price. And the pearl is the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has put layer after layer after layer after layer of his mercy and his grace. And once you get the pearl of great price, you'll never know the dirt was there. And you'll never know the sand was there. <laughs> All you'll see is a beautiful Incredible, amazing pearl. And Jesus loved pearls so much that in the new city, Jerusalem, the gates will be made each of one big pearl. I'm thankful for the fact that Jesus Christ just releases a little secretion in my life. When I'm in irritation to him, he just oozes out a little blessing to me. Amen? When I'm a little irritation to, to Jesus Christ, he just releases another secretion of Dakar. He just covers me. And we do something wrong, and Jesus says, I felt that. And the juices of God begins to saturate over us again. You see, Christians are not perfect people. Christians have a perfect God who one day will present us perfect before his Father in heaven. Jesus Christ will present us pure and holy before the Father God. The, the truth is, you're going to be an irritation to the pastor. You're going to be an irritation to your wife. You're going to be an irritation to your husband. You're going to be an irritation to your family. You're going to be an irritation to God. But each time that irritation takes place, start letting the sweet juices of love and mercy and forgiveness begin to be released and cover our shame and our blame. Amen. Well, what's God going to do with the treasure, the gem found, brought out of the field? Well, he's going to cut it, polish it, and one day you'll look at Israel and say, wow, what a gem. What a beautiful treasure that Jesus mined out of the dirt. But the church is born of Jesus. We are part of the organism of the eternal pre-existing Son of God who became flesh and dwelt among us. We are a product of the living organism of Jesus Christ. And what Jesus Christ did different from the oyster is Jesus Christ on the cross just reached out and pulled in all the dirt. 
He just reached out when he came to earth preaching the word and sharing about Jesus. He just reached out and just sucked in all the sinners, just sucked in all the dirt, just sucked in all the bad stuff. And he said, I'm going to take it to the cross of Calvary, and I've got some nacre. I've got some solution. I've got some blood. I've got the Holy Ghost. I've got forgiveness and mercy. I've got the resurrection and the life. I've got this covered. I've got it covered. I've got the world covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. I got it covered. And not only did he get it covered, at the same time he bought Israel for a future redemption. You got to admit, this is pretty cool stuff. This is beautiful stuff. Now, let me come to us just for a minute. We need to learn the beauty of the oyster and the pearl. You and I need to learn the beauty of the oyster and the pearl. What is the beauty of the oyster and the pearl? The beauty of the oyster is that it does not remove the sand, the dirt, the irritation. It covers it. It makes a secretion. And in that secretion, it crystallizes. And more comes and more comes and more comes. And then pearls are not all the same color. Some of them are blue. Some of them are white. Some of them are, I think there's a red one that's worth Lots and lots of money, millions and millions of dollars. But I want everyone to understand the beauty of the oyster and the pearl. Now, please click your seatbelts. If you've already unclicked them, click them back. Because <laughs> I'm going to click you off here in just a minute. We need to learn the beauty of the oyster and the pearl. We need to learn the beauty of the oyster and the pearl concerning marriage. The older you're married, the longer you're married, the sweeter the pearl. And while you're married, he or she is quite irritating sometimes. And that's when you need to neck them. Neck her that problem. What you need to do is let a, a, a secretion ooze out of you that says, I love you. I forgive you. See, a marriage that becomes a pearl doesn't become a pearl until later on. At start, at the start, you're just two specks of dirt getting together. <laughs> and then you graduate to two pieces of sand. And then if you really graduate good, you end up sandpaper. You know the old story when they first get married? And they're sitting at the table, and the husband says to his sweetheart, just got married, pass the sugar, sugar. <laughs> a few, few, year, few years later, he says, pass the honey, honey. And when they get really old, he says, pass the tea bag. I know this sermon could have done without that, but I'm preaching. <laughs> it's not easy to forgive. And sometimes we get short-tempered. But I promise you, if you'll hang in there and not get a divorce, now there are occasions when, you know, murder's even suitable. But anyway... 
There are cases. There are extreme cases where divorce is acceptable. But when a marriage really, you want it to work, you got to learn the beauty of the oyster and the pearl. Because you got to learn to just secrete, have that secretion out and begin to cover that wound and cover that hurt and just keep covering it until one day when you get older, you'll say, wow, there's a pearl of great price. All made by you sticking together, you loving, you caring, and you sharing your life together. The older you get, the more you'll love each other. I'm serious. I've always loved Judy. The day I saw her, I went, whoa! I was nailed. And two pieces of dirt got together. We've had our moments of sandpaper. But I've always loved her. And she's always released to that Dakar. And I've always released that Dakar. When something happens, we just release that solution. And today I can tell you now that I'm older. I think we'll be married 48 years this Christmas Eve. She's a pearl. She's a pearl. And that's what Jesus Christ is making out of you as a born-again child of God. He's making you a pearl. God doesn't reject you. Jesus doesn't say, that's the last time. Jesus doesn't say, I'm done with you. No, Jesus just releases that secretion, that mercy, that love. And he just wraps you up again. And some of you in this room right now, you may be feeling like I need to be wrapped up again. And that solution covers you the mercy, the grace, the kindness. Amen? Now, let someone misunderstand me. If you've been through a divorce, please hear me. I'm not saying that sometimes divorces are not necessary because they are sometimes necessary. But I do want to say to you that if you're married and you love each other, I don't care if you've been married seven or eight times. If you're married to the person you're married to now and you love each other, you can create a pearl of great price in your life. As you release that love and that nacre in your life to cover and to bless like the oyster. Irritation needs to be met with one thing, and that is a solution of mercy and grace. The balm of Gilead, the healing salve of Jesus Christ. Every irritation needs to be smothered in God's love and God's solution. I, uh, I want to go back to the pearl of great price. Just for a minute, the church is the pearl of great price. And I want to say to you, you're not a second-rate Christian if you trip and stumble. You are not. If you sin, if you backslide, if you fall, you're not any less saved than you were before you fell. If you've truly been saved, a just man falleth. Not if he falleth, a just man falleth seven times. And seven times he gets up. I want to say to you, as a Christian, you know you've been born again. You know Jesus is your personal Savior. I want you to know that you will fail. You will trip. You will stumble along life's way. But there's always that secretion of Jesus. And trust me, boy, have I irritated him sometimes. I'm just glad that I didn't irritate him so bad he didn't take his shoe off and whack me against a tree. You know how that feels when you get a gravel in your shoe. Jesus just keeps covering and keeps covering. See, the pearl isn't any less because it irritated the oyster and caused it to release more secretion to cover that irritation. Actually, the pearl becomes even more valuable because 
The oyster has been irritated over and over and again. And I want you to know, you are valuable to God. You're not less valuable because you tripped and stumbled. You're not less valuable because you did something wrong. You're not less valuable because you've not hit the mark. You're not less valuable because you backslid or because you trip and stumbled. You're not less valuable because you've done wrong. You're more valuable because you've come with your heart to Jesus Christ, and he has released the, 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 the goodness and the blood and the mercy and the grace of God, for one day you'll stand before God a pearl of great price. So right now, what's he waiting on while Israel's hidden in the field? He's developing a great pearl. He's producing a great pearl. Amen? I hope this sermon has helped you somewhat. When Jesus Christ died on that cross of Calvary, please hear me. When Jesus Christ died on that cross of Calvary, he pushed no one away. And Jesus Christ today is pushing no one away. When he died on that cross of Calvary, you maybe have a life that's dirty and defiled, but I want you to know that Jesus Christ will take all your hurt, all your pain, all your shame, all your sin, all your irritations, all your failures. He'll take it all and wrap them up in his heart and his mercy. And out of that wound of Jesus Christ will come a pearl of great price. Now, I'm going to wrap it up. Again, I shared these two parables because there are those who teach that the two parables mean the same, and they do not mean the same. There are those who teach that the treasure in the field is the church. or Actually, they teach that the treasure is Jesus, and the merchant goes out and finds the treasure, and then he sells all he has, and he buys Jesus, which is contrary. They teach that the field is the world, uh, the, the field is Israel, the field is the church, and it's not. Jesus said clearly the field is the world. And I want you to understand when Jesus shared the treasure hidden in the field, the treasure was hidden twice. He found it, it was hidden, he found it. Israel was hidden in its Judeal system, in its own little world, hidden in its own little clique. And when Jesus came, he discovered her, uncovered her. Israel rejected him. And so he hid her again in the field, in the world. And blindness in part has happened to Israel. He hides Israel for a time so that he can develop a pearl. The pearl is a Gentile treasure. The pearl is found in the ocean, in the rivers, in the waters, representing masses of multitudes of people. Israel is found as a field it's described as a field, Israel is. But in Revelation, the masses of people, Gentiles and Jews alike, the masses of people is described as the sea, as the waters. The church is never meant to be hidden, but on a mountain, a city, on a hill. Church is never meant to be hidden. Jesus never hid the church. He took it inside him, and he developed a pearl of great price. And the church is not to be hidden. And by the way, Jesus is not hidden either. He's not a hidden treasure. And, he, and he's not a hidden pearl. 
Israel is a hidden treasure. The pearl of great price has been found. Jesus bought it. He developed it. He's still developing, and the church is known together. And let me say quickly as we bring this message to a close, for the first time in the history of the time in which Titus, the Roman, 70 A.D., disbanded Jerusalem, destroyed it, the veiled temple destroyed, the temple destroyed, and the Jewish people were scattered around the world, and Israel was hidden in the field. Nineteen Over 1,900 years has passed by. Israel becomes a nation. Now people are angry and fussing because when you have replacement theology, what are you going to do with a nation that has raised up and come back together like bones in, a, in the dry valley, and there's an army now, and there's a people that everybody's saying, that's the people of God. That's Israel. And then everybody wants to fuss about it and fight over it. Well, read the Bible, and you'll know that Israel is Israel. The church is the church. The Jew is a Jew, and the Gentile is a Gentile. Read your Bible. For the first time in history, the church and Israel, now I rest assured, the church and Israel were mingled at the start, and how many know that didn't work out well? Let me know what I'm talking about. Apostle Paul and the church, uh, Jerusalem, Israel, the Jews didn't work out well with the, with the church, and the church was scattered, or not the church, the Jews were scattered, Israel was scattered. But for the first time in history, the church and Israel now exist together. And that only means one thing. Somebody's got to go. Me, me, the church, let's go. Somebody's got to go. Let's go to church. Let's go to meet Jesus Christ in the air. Let's go and be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. Let's go. Let's go and let God uncover the treasure in the field while we're having a wedding in heaven. The treasure in the field. Then you got the tares and the wheat and you got the dragnet and you got the leaven uh, uh, the leaven bread, and you got the 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 uh, mustard seed, and all that stuff, which we'll talk about next Sunday morning. You got that. That's all talking about end time harvest, end time situations. I just wanted to share. I, I realized I jumped the fence because I wanted to talk about the pearl and the treasure. I'm so glad I jumped the fence. Because the Lord may come before I jump the fence again. Amen. I'm excited about Jesus. I'm excited about his word. I'm excited that Israel is being uncovered. But I promise you the church will be removed before Israel is totally uncovered. And there's going to be a lot of earth-shaking, earthquaking, horrible events, horrible events, as Israel is revealed as the treasure in the world. We'll be gone. As a church, we'll be gone. As a nation, Israel will stand responsible for her rejection of her Messiah. Amen? Stand with me. Josh going to come bring a song. I hope you enjoyed today. I enjoyed it. Hear me. Salvation isn't a one-time event only. Salvation is a lifetime of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Salvation is not a one-time event in your life only. It is a continual secretion of God's mercy and love. He's building something beautiful. He's building something beautiful. And next time you become an irritation to Jesus, just remember, he's not going to surgically remove you. He's going to cover you with his righteousness, with his mercy, 
with his grace because he's going to get you home. The main thing that you need to be concerned about is, am I in Christ? Am I there? Salvation is in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you're not saved. Am I in Christ? And the only way to get in Christ is to be crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, and raised again with Christ. Altar's open. I want to invite you to come. Maybe you'd like to say, I'd like to be that pearl of great price. You can be. Maybe you'd like to say, you know, I realize that I, I'm a person that sometimes produces irritation. But don't we all? Don't we all? But that wonderful anointing. By the way, that secretion that the oyster puts out is not oily. It is mineral that crystallizes and becomes hard and protective over that debris, that dirt. My wife has a string of pearls. And the, the advice to her in that string of pearls, they were real, cost a lot of money, the pearls that my wife had. Did you buy them? Yeah, I did, but I bought them from someone that wanted to get rid of them. But they're real. Did you know pearls can get sick? And did you know you're not supposed to go swimming with pearls? And you're not to wear pearls too long because your sweat of your body will destroy the pearl. Meaning, Jesus continues to protect us because we are the pearl of great price. Pearls are beautiful. Where in Judy's case, there was a string of pearls. In Jesus' parable, it is one great big pearl. Josh, go ahead.